Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning again to all of you. Good to see all your faces this morning. Good to be together to celebrate. As you know, today is our celebration or Thanksgiving service where we come and we acknowledge and we remember the goodness of God throughout the year. I want to welcome all those who've come through from Somerset West. Just raise your hands. They've taken up almost a block. Yay! Welcome. It's always good to have you with us. You're always welcome. And so what I'd like to do this morning, I want to paint just a little bit of a picture for you. I want to start by giving thanks to God for and just drawing remembrance from a few things throughout the year. I think one of the most touching moments for me was when a group of youngsters from our fellowship came back from a conference called The Sending that they attended out in Jeffreys Bay and they stood in front of you and they read their poems. It was an emotional morning. It was an incredible day where they got to come and share with us what God had done inside their hearts. One of my highlights for the year. We also know what happened on the 1st of September and the transitioning of of leadership within the fellowship. Also, wonderful moment within the life of this church. So there's many moments and little things that we can look back on and give God thanks for. And I want to tell you, speak very short, uh, very briefly this morning Concerning the principle of thankfulness, concerning the principle of remembering. Remembering what God has done and how important that is. I want to start, however, by telling you a little bit of a story. It's a true story. Ask you a question. Did you ever get what you wanted only to find that you didn't like what you got? My wife... I know, I I married an incredible woman. All I have to do to sweep her off her feet is promise her a hamburger, and life's good. She's got a thing for hamburgers. You know, the hurdle isn't set all that high for me. Praise God. Just a hamburger. You get gourmet hamburgers. So I want to tell you a story about hamburgers. There are a few places that you know are faithful. You know that when you go in there, you know exactly what you're going to get. Good quality hamburgers, nice beef, and it's just, you know. They are faithful. They are solid. They're dependable. You know you're going to have a good time there. there, You're not going to pay an arm and a leg for a decent hamburger. And there's a few places over the years that Helen and I have discovered where we can go and have really good hamburgers. But every now and then somebody comes along and offers you something that sounds too good to be true. And you know what they say, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So Stephen came one day. And he told us about this hamburger that he had had, the best hamburger he had ever had in his entire life. It's at a wine farm out in Franschhoek. Michael, take your wife there. You'll be happy. You'll be glad that you did. So I set things up. I went and looked at the menu online to try and see what I was getting myself in for. I realized this wasn't a quick date. This needed saving for, that we needed a budget plan in order to go and have this hamburger. So I kind of pegged my faith and pegged the date 
And one Sunday after church, our, we dropped our kids off. I can't remember which set of grandparents. And off I took my wife on a date for this hamburger, which is going to transform our lives forever. We went. They didn't have room in the restaurant. We had to stand and wait. And we did, faithfully. Eventually, they had a table outside. We sat down. We ordered our hamburgers. We were so disappointed. You know when you expect something that is otherworldly and you're met with something that is just not all that great? When your wife looks at you and says, you make better hamburgers than this. You know, you realize, you know, maybe I should have just saved the money, took her, took her back home, slapped some mince on the, on the braai, and she'd have been happier, you know? So, so no, the, the story doesn't end there, okay? It doesn't end there. So, obviously, we were a little bit disappointed. Paid, paid the bill. You really get indigestion from something you didn't enjoy and then have to pay through the nose for. It, you know, it just leaves a bad... It, it's not so good going in, and it's not so good once it's in. So anyways, we, 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 we made the most of it. We, we had a good time together. And I came back and Stephen said, and what did you think? And I said, no, we were so disappointed. What? He couldn't believe it. No way. And then he felt all bad because, you know, he recommended the place. And, you know, he thought it was the best hamburger he'd ever had. So needless to say, I said, Stephen, no, I'll take you somewhere that we know makes great hamburgers. We went there and we just tried it out one day. They have a beautiful play area for the kids, which is why we tried it. They happened to have a hamburger on the menu. Helen had it, and oh, my word. In fact, in preparation, I should have brought that photo of you with that hamburger. It was huge. It was huge. She had to do warm-ups. Just so she could eat the thing. It was amazing. Cheese and, and bacon and lettuce and tomato and caramelized onion and amazing sauces. It was. Yeah, we're going on a picnic just now. Hold on. It was amazing. So I said to Stephen, you've got to come with us. We, we, had, we had to, the two couples went out a few weeks ago, actually, to this place where we were going to have this burger. I was going to blow his socks off. They didn't have it on the menu anymore. No, now there was some Burovos hamburger and some vegan burger that had no beef in it at all. I mean, it's, how can it be a burger if there's a... And so again, an expectation was created. Except this time I wasn't on the disappointment. Actually, we were pretty disappointed ourselves. We were, we were shattered. We were shattered. But Stephen, Stephen didn't feel as guilty about his recommendation anymore. So his conscience, his conscience was appeased because now we had done exactly the same thing to him. It's horrible when you get something that you think you want, only to find out and to discover later on that what you, what you wanted or what you got is not what you really wanted. I often see this, well, not often, I've seen this also a few times with, with young ladies who just can't wait to get married. And I often say to them, if you go out there and you look for a husband, you're going to find a husband. But I don't know that if what you find is what you're ultimately going to want. There's a portion of scripture I want to read to you. It's from the book of Psalms, and it says this, Psalm 106, verses 13 to 15, and I'm going to read it to you from the New, from the New King James Version. It says, it's talking about the nation of Israel. After God brought them out of Egypt, He brought them through the desert, He brought them into, you know, he, delivering them, He's been feeding them with manna every single day in the wilderness. And it says there in verse 13 that they soon forgot His works, and they did not wait for His counsel. 
but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls. The story is that they were in the wilderness, they were eating divinely provided manna every day, and they complained against God, saying, God, can't you give us some meat? Can't you send us some quails? Can't, you know, we're getting a little bored with manna. They started saying things like, you know, if we go back to Egypt, sure, we'll be in captivity, but we'll have leeks and garlic and potatoes. You know, they were willing to go back just to satisfy their flesh. They had forgotten everything that they had been through. They had forgotten the miracles that God had done to bring them out of that situation. They didn't look to Him, but they pursued in the midst of what was an uncomfortable situation, they pursued, instead of God, they pursued comfort. They pursued relief. They pursued what their flesh wanted. Only to discover that they didn't like what they got. Now, they got the quail. Now, you may think that first day after manna for a few days, quails, we're going to gather these things up, we're going to pluck them, stick spikes through five at a time, Auntie Agnes there by the fire, wrote, 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 you know, wrote, they didn't have motors in those days. It was Auntie Agnes's job. Her right arm was about this size, her left one not so much, because she was the lady that was turning the quails over the fire. Imagine how delicious that quail must have been after not having anything for so long. I mean, you can imagine that, right? I mean, we can understand their humanity. We can understand their desire for something other than just manna and how good that must have tasted. But how short-lived was their happiness? Because the Bible says in that verse, what they got is what they wanted, but it came with something else. It came with leanness of soul. And as I was praying over this the other day, I wrote some things in my journal, and this is what I, the impression that God laid on my heart. Leanness of soul is a state of one who does not see the need to rely or depend on God. One who has forgotten his miracles, who has not waited for his counsel, and has tested God by questioning his nature, questioning his ability, and questioning his willingness or his love. That kind of person becomes utterly limited to his own personal abilities. Leanness of soul. When all that you can do is all that you can do, you have leanness of soul. When all that you can expect from life and from situations around you is what you are able to make happen in those situations, you're in a place of leanness of soul. You see, no matter how much people sell it, no matter how great they tell you that hamburger is going to be, there is no substitute that can satisfy your soul like God. You see, the people of Israel were not satisfied in their situation. They were not satisfied in what God had called them into. They were not satisfied to go into the promised land with God's promise. They got what they wanted, but they weren't happy with what they got. Nobody but God can give you what you truly want and what you truly need because He alone knows what He created you for. Don't look at somebody else's life. Don't compare your life or your trial or your circumstance to anybody else. That's the worst thing you can do. You always end up deceiving yourself. Everybody else's life looks great until you actually get a look behind the scenes. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, tells us how we can avoid 
this state called leanness of soul. New King James says it this way. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does that mean? It simply means to cast all your care upon him. Casting all your cares upon him is to humble yourself under his mighty hand. Many people think humbling yourself is a prayer you need to pray or it's a, it's a downtrodden position. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God is simply acknowledging that He is God and I am not. It is placing trust where it belongs. Humility is acknowledging our place in relation to God. So to humble myself under His mighty hand is to commit everything I have, every circumstance, every trial, every blessing to Him. So that he may exalt in due time. So that he may do his work. So that he may accomplish in you what he desires. Casting all your care upon him. We live in a, in a life that brings with it a lot of cares. Amen? Let me go back to my burger analogy. When I wanted to take my wife for that burger, what came with it? A hefty price tag. I had to, I had to come up with the bucks. I had to believe God, whatever you want to say, however you want to work that one out. But I needed to budget for that and make sure that we could afford this hamburger. It came at a, at a far greater cost than I would have normally wanted to pay. Casting all my cares upon God means I, I, don't, I realize that I can't pay that cost. I realize that some things are beyond me, and so I commit them to Him. And I place my trust in His loving kindness. I place my trust in His provision and His goodness and His faithfulness. Let me read to you the same portion of Scripture, but from the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. So be content with who you are. And don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God because He is most careful with you. Isn't that beautiful? God is most careful with you. Folks, I don't want us, as we celebrate, as we put together a day to, to look back and think back over the goodness of God, it would almost be dishonoring or sacrilegious to just look back, oh, you know, did I do it? No, no. To, to not give a due thought and consideration to think about how God has carried each one of us through this year. Now, some of us may have wonderful stories of provision or wonderful stories of breakthrough that God has done something momentous in our lives. For some of us, it may just be grace and strength through a time of mourning or through a time of suffering. It may be an internal work. It may be a revelation that has unlocked things or broken off chains or delivered you from a cage that you, were found, that you found yourself in. But it's so important to acknowledge and to remember, and this is what we're doing here this morning. This is why we've prepared a special offering of thanksgiving to God. We must understand the warning that that scripture in Psalms gives us to not be like Israel, who were focused more on their comfort or their flesh or the things that they wanted 
than they were focused on the plans and the purposes and the promises that God had for them as a nation and as a people. Very often, the pursuit of comfort is the enemy to achieving, to God achieving what He wants to in our lives. Because we stop short of going all the way. Though they got what they wanted, it came at a cost. They weren't satisfied with getting what they wanted. They had a leanness of soul. So how do we keep our hearts clean and open and orientated correctly? I'm just going to give you four points very briefly. How to make sure that we don't end up in a place called leanness of soul. Number one is this. Remain thankful. Gratitude. Consistently acknowledging God's provision, His goodness, His faithfulness. Understanding that it is Him who gives us the ability to create wealth. It is Him who has paid for our sins and forgiven us completely. It is He who has made us accepted in the Beloved and enjoys our presence. We need to remember and remain at all times thankful to God for what He has done and consider daily His goodness and His miracles to us. Number two, trust in Him. Lean on His grace. Lean on His providence. Lean on His faithfulness. Lean on His promises. I want to say to you, God does not mind and He is not offended when you take Him at His word. Did you get that? I want to say it again. God is not offended when you take him at his word. When you say, Father God, you said this, I take you at your word. God's not offended at that. That's called faith. It's not arrogant. You could probably do it in an arrogant way. But if your heart before him has come out of gratitude, from a place of gratitude saying, Father, I take you at your word. I thank you for these promises. And I put my trust in you that you will come through according to your word. Stay thankful. Trust in God and His promises. Number three, obey. Simply do what God says, humbly and expectantly. Simply do what God says. If it's uncomfortable or comfortable, do it. If it's costly or it costs you nothing, do it. Sometimes it'll be a kind word that God wants you to give to somebody as an encouragement. It didn't cost you anything, but it makes the world of difference. Sometimes God may want you to reach into your pocket or drive to the other side of town. It costs you something. Do it. Because that's called obedience. And obedience is the way in which we prove our trust in God. You see, I can't say that I trust God and not obey Him. I lie to myself. Stay thankful, lean into God, trust Him, obey what He tells you to do. Point number four, repeat. Start again at point number one. Give thanks, lean into His promises and obey. And when you've done that, give thanks, lean into His promises and obey. And when you've done that, give thanks and lean into His promises and obey. That is how we can avoid getting our hearts to the state that Israel was at where they were so focused on their comfort. They were so focused on what they wanted. They were so focused on what could be, should be, that never came from God, that God never suggested, that they ended up in a place of leanness of soul, that all they experienced in their lives was all they could do for themselves. After all the miracles, after all the power and the signs and the wonders, they settled for flesh. 
Let's not be like that. That's what today is all about, where we stop and we say, we're not going to just focus on these things. God, we're going to give you thanks for all that you have done. We're going to acknowledge your faithfulness. We're going to praise you for it. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.